Well, you know, there's a big energy transition going on. As you are hyphen energy, publicly traded company, and we go into all things uranium in the U.S. market. And uh, buckle up, have some fun, and stay tuned for John Cash, CEO. Thanks. Hello, John. How are you today? And welcome to the podcast. Hey, doing well. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, I'll tell you what. I cannot wait. I just have a... Uh, uh, absolute blast talking about the energy and low cost energy and you're and uh, nuclear and uranium are kind of important, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. And it's of growing importance as the world moves toward carbon free energy and very importantly, energy security and yep. just base load energy it fills that gap really nicely. You know, you're the CEO of your your energy. So it's you are uh, hyphen energy dot com. Uh, and I'll tell you, before we get started, since you're a publicly traded company, we're going to have the producer slide in slide number two. And this is the obligatory uh, legal disclaimer, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, no, Stu, thank you for giving me a chance to comment on that. And we'll keep the attorneys happy here. <laughs> we are publicly traded. And because of that, we need to make sure everyone's aware that there is risk in investing. There is risk in uranium mining. And uh, we go to great lengths to describe that in our public disclosures. So we encourage everyone to do their homework before investing. And then also I may make some forward looking comments. So be aware of that as we go forward. It sounds great. I'll tell you, uh, everything that you just said goes into the political world of the uranium mine. And I'm saying this, I don't give investment advice, but all I see is a fantastic uh, future for nuclear. With COP28 and their agreement and their excitement, the UAE just put in their nuclear reactor. And uh, it's pretty exciting that the UAE's got, I, I, I think it's about 25% of the UAE is now doing nuclear. Uh, France just announced 14 new reactors they're trying to budget. This is pretty cool. And on your slide, I believe it's slide five, slide five. Uh, your your group talks about increasing global acceptance of nuclear. And I mean, this is an amazing discussion about the global acceptance that the energy transition can't be there. So, I mean, wow. Yeah, there's so many countries around the world now that are moving toward nuclear for a variety of reasons. Every country has its own unique set of geopolitics, environmental concerns, so forth and so on. Uh, different sources of energy that they have domestically or that they import. Uh, but the story around the world is, I won't say it's universal, but it's pretty consistent that a number of countries are moving to nuclear. Uh, it's, it's energy security. It's yep. carbon free. Yep. It's low cost base power that they can rely right. on uh, respectively around the world. And you know, right now, China is really leading the way. They're looking at 150 new reactors over the next 15 years or so. Yeah. And they're on target to do that. That's not just hypothetical arm waving. They are doing it. I believe they've got 10 reactors under construction today as we speak. And wow. they're going to be ramping that up uh, you know, additionally going forward. So right now, the U.S. has uh, more reactors than any other nation. We've got about 93 right now. But China will be surpassing us uh, within the next few years to become the global leader in nuclear power. But wow. they're doing that because they want energy independence. And that's a way for them to have that uh, power on hand. You can store yeah. a lot of uranium, years worth of uranium. So if there's a global conflict, 
that interferes with supply chain, it's okay because you can back that up with inventories for many, many years. And so China is leading the way on that. Wow. And, uh, but not just China, other countries around the world are, are really uh, doing the same thing uh, throughout Europe, throughout Asia, here in the U.S., uh, we've started one reactor last year. We have another one coming on. Uh, we've got one in uh, Michigan that may be restarting. Right. Diablo Canyon out in California. looks like they're going to keep that one up and running. So, yeah, just uh, it's a renaissance in nuclear power. And like I said, for a variety of reasons. With the cost per kilowatt hour, if it's amateurized out uh, over all this time, and you take a look at Texas and its grid, um, that's a steady line. I love seeing on the grid that's what the uh, balancing authorities need is, you know, mm -hmm. you have renewable that goes like this and then you have baseline. You got to love baseline power. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and you're right about the lifetime of those reactors. The initial capital expenditure for a nuclear power plant obviously is very high. But when you amateurize that cost over 40, 60, maybe even 80 years, right. cost gets really, really low. And if right. you give any value at all to uh, carbon emissions, um, that adds to the equation as well. And so, yeah, you know, Texas is a good example. A right. lot of renewables in Texas, but the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow, even in Texas. And so to smooth that out, uh, the regulators yeah. really need that base load power. And uh, nuclear fits that bill incredibly well, gives that yep. good, stable uh, supply of energy. Doesn't matter how cold it gets or how hot it gets. It's on 24-7, 365. You know, uh, Japan is getting real excited again. They have restarting of seven reactors, and they are energy dependent on everything. So it makes a lot of sense for uh, Japan. And France, the 16, you know, they're the six to 14 reactors that they're just talking about. They're, they're operating, I believe, at 50% of their capacity because they have stripped out maintenance on their fleet. I, I, we're at the 94, I think. I think they're at the 50. I, I have to go take a look at those numbers. And they're only operating at 50% of that because of the lack of the maintenance dollars. So France has learned the hard way. And then poor old Germany just cut their last reactors out. And now they're tearing down wind farms to, to dig coal. I, I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, Germany, man, it, it's a bit of a basket case when it comes to uh, carbon emissions and energy generation. They had this strong move toward renewables. It turned out it was really expensive. It was really uh, uh, unstable. And right. now I think they're beginning to really regret shutting down the nuclear power. Their CO2 emissions have gone up fairly dramatically since they've shut down the nuclear power plants. Even Greta Thunberg is saying, hey, Nuclear may be the way to go for a while uh, until you can establish reliable renewables, which I don't know that that ever happens. Uh, no. But, yeah, people around the world, environmentalists that used to be opposed to it are right. looking at Germany and saying, "Whoa, wow, look what happened there. First world right. country gets rid of nuclear and look what happens to the CO2 emissions. Yep. Uh, nuclear really has got to be a part of the story here. You bet. How do you like the uh, market coming around the corner for SMRs or small modular reactors? How do you like it? Where do you see that going? Yeah, I like it. I think it's incredibly exciting. Uh, I'm a bit of a technology wonk. Uh, people that know <laughs> me uh, know that about me. But um, I, it's going to be a little while. I yep. think it's going to take some years uh, before yep. we really start to see a demand on the uranium uh, miners conversion and enrichment. Uh, right. But I think it's coming. 
And, uh, you know, there are some challenges there. The technology is there. Right. Uh, I think we have to be careful to make sure that the regulatory regime is uh, in place to be able to handle the approvals in a timely manner and advance right. that industry. I also think it's very important that the engineering teams and the scientists, they come up with a few designs and they implement those. Right. And then get your fingers out of the pie. Let right. them run. Let, we'll learn from that. But we can't be re-engineering these every year because then that really starts the renewal process on the, the regulatory side becomes really cumbersome and really expensive. So I think we need to be careful there, you know, right. like uh, the Fords, the Model Ts, build Model Ts and uh, make it efficient. And then over time, we can make revisions and uh, make them better. But we right. can't be revising them every six months. You've got to have some stability there. Otherwise, the regulatory regime and the cost associated with that will kill that industry. So there's right. going to have to be some discipline there. But in the long run, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be heading to SMRs, cutting edge technology. Right. A lot of it was developed in the 60s, but it's evolved with time. And right. I think it's got a very bright future. But, you know, rough estimate, probably eight years, maybe 10 years uh, before wow. we move from just experimental demonstration plants and move, start moving into uh, an era where we're building them by the tens or possibly even by the hundreds. And there's tremendous demand then on the market. So we'll get there, but it's going to take just a bit of time. Um, I, I, I just am so excited about the technology and uh, how that uh, all is going to play together. Um, and when you, s it seems like if let's leave the uh, argument, whether or not it's carbon, uh, is a bad thing or we're carbon life forms, but um, let's leave that off the table. If you want to get the carbon neutral, you got to have nuclear. Um, and that you, your investor deck mentions the political uh, issues with Ukraine and Russia. We buy a lot of uranium from Russia. And I, I mean, that, that is just amazing to me that we have a supply chain that we need your, um, Boy, that was a kind of a good play on your company. <laughs> yeah. We need your, yeah. <laughs> we need your, your energy. Um, yeah, no, right now we, we buy a lot of uranium from Russia, not in the form of yellow cake or the mine material, but Russia does a lot of the processing, the conversion and enrichment steps. In fact, they dominate the global markets when it comes to the, the processing of uranium, right. not the mining, but the processing. And the reason why we've not sanctioned Russia on that supply is because the Western world really doesn't have the physical infrastructure to backstop that. Now, that's changing very rapidly. Uh, there are converters and enrichers that are ramping up and they have announced expansions of their plants. Uh, so we're headed in the right direction and we're headed there fairly quickly. But up until now, Russia has really dominated the, the market. Right. Uh, not only Russia with their processing, but just as importantly, former Soviet satellites are significant producers of uranium in the mining sense, uh, producing yellow cake. And so right. we are really dependent upon those nations for that supply chain. And that needs to change. We need more diversification into the Western world, uh, into, uh, into certain countries within Asia, Europe, and the U.S., Canada, to be right. able to process that material and to mine it. So we're headed in the right direction. Good. But it is a very, very small industry. Yep. Um, I think it's fair to say I know most of the CEOs globally uh, in the uranium space. Um, that's not bragging. That's just a commentary about how small the industry really is. 
Right. So we've got to get these mines ramped up. UR Energy is leading the way here in the U.S. as we ramp up production at our Lost Creek mine. That's well underway right now. Uh, But others are needed. We can't do it alone. And so hopefully others are able to come online as well to to backfill that. But you're spot on. It's uh, it's a geopolitical issue where we uh, in the Western world have become way too reliant on Russian uh, processing. And they essentially were dumping material into the market. And that caused other companies to have to shut down and reduce production. You, you've got on your commercial or your investor deck three offtake sales agreements, uh, and you have 11.9 uh, million pounds measured and in indicated resource at mm-hmm. uh, 0.046 grade. Uh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, the contracting, uh, that's heating up. Uh, countries around the world, especially in Europe and the U.S., they realize, oh. hey, we've become way too uh, dependent on uh, Western or Eastern supply right. and state-owned enterprises that are subject to the whims of geopolitics. And so uh, we've had the ability to go out to those utilities, and actually they've been coming to us and sign up three really good long-term contracts that we have in place. And uh, I think going forward, the price of uranium has continued to climb. We've got a lot more production room to sell into contracts nice. as the price is continuing to move higher. So uh, we are contracting into a rising market, and I think that's going to continue into 2024. But it's really a reflection of a desire for diversity, moving away from state-owned enterprises and Russian pounds. Wow. And your your other one that I'm sitting here looking at is Shirley Basin. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I do need a crayon for a lot of my math a lot of times. But um, you have uh, 8.8 million uh, pounds measured it and indicated resource at 0.23 grade. That's a huge difference between those two uh, facilities, correct? Yeah, it is. Uh, wow. Pounds and grade, uh, respectively. The, the awesome thing about Lost Creek is we've have been able to maintain a very low cost of production. Right. Uh, we think that's probably because of the kinetics, uh, very small grain crystals at wow. Lost Creek. They mine really well using the in-situ technology. So that's helped us keep our cost really low. Nice. Uh, Shirley Basin, the grade is considerably higher. Uh, probably won't recover quite as fast as Lost Creek. We'll see. But the bottle roll tests or the bench top tests look like they're going to be pretty good, pretty good recovery, maybe 80% or so. Wow. Whereas at Lost Creek, we've got 90% recovery over 10 years. So, yeah, a bit of a difference between the two properties, but they both look like uh, really good properties. Shirley Basin is completely drilled out. Right. Uh, that's why we uh, say 100% of that resource is in the measured and indicated categories. And right. it's a relatively shallow ore body as well. So those things are going to help us keep our cost very low as we move in that direction. So Shirley Basin's completely permitted, and but we have not made a decision to build it out and ramp it up yet. But right. if the market stays this hot, and if we are able to continue uh, growing our contract book, I think uh, in the not too distant future, we'll be making that decision uh, to ramp up Shirley Basin. But like I said, it depends on the contract book. We'll see how right. that goes going forward, but pretty optimistic there. Uh, things are looking um, you're, and you're optimistic for being cash flow positive. And I don't want to put words in your mouth because I'm not. I noticed that you just gulp for our podcast listeners. Here he is, the CEO, and he just gulped really big. Oh, he mentioned free pa- uh, cash flow. And it's not next week, but it could be uh, uh, in in 2024 with these new contracts. Is that? A yeah, fair we'll, 
That's a fair statement. I mean, it hinges on a number of factors, of course. It depends on the growing the, of the contract book. It depends right. on our ability to ramp up production at Lost Creek, uh, production costs as well. So there are a number of factors that come into play there. Uh, in 2023, and we've already announced this, revenues a little over $17 million. Uh, that was based on a relatively small contract book. That contract book is going to grow dramatically this year. Right. Uh, over 500, well, about 500,000 pounds under contract going towards 600,000 pounds under contract nice. uh, for this year. And so, yeah, it's a significant growth in that contract book. We've got a lot of room of, for production above and beyond that. And right now, right. the spot price is about $92 a pound. And we are well, well in the money uh, if we decide to sell into the spot market, if we're able to produce above and beyond our contract book. So, yeah, it, nice. uh, we'll see how 2024 plays out. But we've got a lot of room to grow that production and sell into contracts or sell into spot. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's quite possible by late this year, we could be cash flow positive, depending on a lot of those factors that uh, remain to be seen. But things you are know, looking very positive right now. I love learning uh, from our, our great guests. And, 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 uh, and when you're sitting back and taking about the supply chain, uh, Grace Stanky, who I interviewed, she was the uh, Miss uh, America the last year and got to interview her from Dubai with the COP28. But we use nuclear in a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, we use your, I mean, people are just thinking power. There's a lot of things like healthcare and everything else. It's a right. big market. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, of course, it's dominated by the utilities that right. buy that to generate electricity. But you're absolutely right. It's used for other things. It's used for counterweights. It's used for armor. The, the, the uh, depleted right. uranium is used for armor on tanks and uh, also for uh, uh, on shells for penetrators. Uh, right. It's used for that. It's used for medicine. So, yeah, it's used yeah. Uh, for a number of things and other defense needs, of course. Uh, right now, the U.S. government is not buying for defense needs. They've got a quite a large stockpile that they've been relying on for a long time. But nonetheless, uh, ultimately in the future, it will become an additional market. Yeah, well, I'm going to mention some bad news with our interest payment now over our defense budget. Um, that is a travesty uh, as far as I'm concerned as a taxpayer. I feel like I've paid the whole thing. So, you know, it, uh, we, we need more nuclear uh, totally. Um, but, uh, but look at the bright side with the uh, depleted uranium that all the munitions around the world are going off. You're going to have some contracts coming up. So I bet they can't use their stockpile. They may be using all of it, but we'll leave my opinions out of this. So, um, and now uh, the nuclear when you look at mining, and one of the things that I'm always hearing is the negativity that miners are evil and all that. And you guys know ESG. You know that yeah. you're not. Can you tell us a little bit that, you know, the nuclear has gotten a black eye uh, and then you guys get hit in the back of the head with legislation through regulatory actions. Um, you're not that bad of guys, are you? No, you know, Stu, we use a mining technique called in situ, which is a Latin word. It means in the place. Right. So and that's about how half of the world's uranium is mined now globally. So it's not a new technology. It's not uh, black right. magic or anything like that. It's a well-established technology. But we don't dig into the ground. Uh, all we do is we install water wells into the ore body. 
Oh, nice. And we inject groundwater and oxygen and CO2. That dissolves the uranium in the ground, and we simply pump it up in a solution, just like sugar would dissolve in water. The uranium dissolves in that solution, and we simply pump it to the surface. When we get done mining, you won't even be able to tell we were there. We'll reclaim the surface. Wow. Uh, within a few years, it'll be returned back to grazing land with no restrictions whatsoever. Our water usage is very, very low. And uh, we right now, we use less than one half of 1% of the water we withdraw, we uh, waste. So one half of 1%, very low. And we're working on reducing that even further. We would love to get down to about three-tenths of 1% usage of all the water we withdraw. So we're making some good strides there. We're really proud of some of the research and development uh, we are doing at UR Energy toward that uh, ultimate goal. And that's one of our priorities. You know, a lot of people say, well, ESG, that just adds cost. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm -hmm. Proper ESG, when you implement it properly, it also reduces your cost. For example, wastewater like generation. The less water we utilize, the cheaper it gets for us. The less ground we disturb, yep. the cheaper it gets for us. So we see the, the two of being really interlocked with each other. And so we're making great strides with regard to research and development to advance right. our environmental footprint to lessen that. So I think there'll be more coming out from our company in 2024. Nice. Uh, certainly that research and development aspect is an important part of what we do in our industry, especially at UR Energy. You know, what's kind of fun is your labor force. I'm sitting here looking at your slide deck, and I'd like to uh, say that since y'all are drilling, uh, you got a lot in common with the oil and gas uh, work folks. So if you're pumping the water off and you're filtering it, you're doing the U.S. oil producers are the best in the world at not, you know, uh, trying. They try to take care of the environment. And uh, so on your uh, slide deck for um, investors, I recommend that you would put a before and after picture. So that, you know, uh, when you drive by and you see a windmill uh, or a wind farm, you see all the dead whales on the beach. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty sad sometimes or the boneyard. None of it is recyclable. And just like uh, Japan was releasing their water in there and they've cleaned it. I mean, it's like, you know, the the nuclear uh, community does a great job uh, on this. and so. Um, it's not early on, John, you know, and we were sitting there looking at the early on oil folks, they were not the best in the world. So regulations did help them out a bunch. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm not a, I am a humanitarian and let's take care of the environment. Uh, and I'm thrilled that you guys have a lot of that, uh, workforce capable so you can pull them in, especially in Wyoming. I love Wyoming. You got good people. Yeah, it's there, a great right? place to, to work. Yeah, we do. It's a great place to work. Uh, you know, it's a, a resources recovery state. That's yep. mining, that's oil and gas. It's renewable energy. There's some massive wind farms uh, in place and being developed here in Wyoming. So we are all about energy and natural resources. The yep. people in the state understand that. They work in those extractive industries. Uh, our government agencies appreciate and understand that. And uh, I'd like to thank that industry and our regulators. We work hand in hand yep. to make sure we do it right. And I think Wyoming is the prime example of that. So we're really glad to be working here. 
the state of Wyoming in 2018, they had the ability to take over re uh, regulation of the nuclear industry from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission or the federal government. Hmm. And so they were successful in taking over that authority in 2018. And that has gone really well. Uh, our oh, regulators cool now. Is that? Yeah, it is. I'm, you know, I'm before excited. then, if, if I had a concern before then, I literally had to go back to Washington, D.C. Uh, to have a meeting uh, if I wanted to do something, you know, face to face. Now our regulators are nearby. They can inspect more frequently. They, you know, they have their finger on the pulse wow. better. They have a very high level of expertise, outstanding regulatory regime. So local is always the better way to do it. So we're very pleased with that. And it's yeah. worked really well for the state of Wyoming to enhance uh, uranium recovery in the state. Isn't that cool? I, I'm, I yeah, mean, that it is. Um, I'm, I'm just really excited about today's uh, discussions and everything. What do you see coming around the corner besides um, the opportunity for free cash flow as you build your contract book? What are some exciting things coming around the corner for you guys? Well, sticking with you, our energy and the catalyst here, then maybe I can look more globally, but no, growing that contract book. Right. There are a lot of RPs that are out from utilities looking to buy pounds. We're going to continue to respond to those yep. with the objective of growing our contract book. Uh, building out Shirley Basin as yep. uh, we sign up more contracts and getting that going, that'll take our mine capacity up to 2.2 million pounds per year once we have Lost Creek and Shirley Basin up nice. and running. So we're, we're really excited about that. We've also got a number of other development and exploration projects. We don't talk about a lot, but they're out there. And so we're looking at advancing them as well. And so that'll grow our pipeline uh, moving forward. But looking more globally, uh, right now, the U.S. Congress is looking at cutting off Russian supply. Yeah. I don't know when that will happen or if it will happen. It's impossible to predict what Congress will do. But the House <laughs> has already advanced that in a bipartisan way. And the Senate also has uh, taken a look at it. Unfortunately, we've got one senator that has been holding that back, uh, but hopefully he'll withdraw his objection to that in the near term. And the Senate will be able to also pass that legislation. Uh, the White House has already indicated that they would sign it and cut off that supply from Russia. So we're keeping a very close eye on that. Yep. You see a lot of other financial players that are jumping into the space, buying up pounds and sequestering those pounds. That's putting a lot of pressure on the market. We expect that to continue as well. And uh, we think that's going to drive the spot price in particular. Right. But the long-term price will probably come along with that uh, as we go into the future. Right now, it doesn't look like globally the miners are going to be able to keep up with demand. Uh, exactly. It's going to take a few years for the miners to keep up. But that's where UR Energy really has a leadership role to play because we are already ramping up. We're already permitted and licensed in producing pounds. And there are right. some other companies that are trying to advance their projects as well. But we're kind of in the leadership role there uh, yep. to ramp up production globally. So it's an exciting time in the, the uranium space. And it's in a very exciting time for UR Energy. You know, I think th this is such a great conversation because so many people, when I mention, uh, you know, nuclear, um, the great Meredith Angwin, when we talk about security for the grid, and then you talk about the next generation, and then you talk about new jobs uh, that you guys can create. This is an exciting time for uranium, especially when the EU was mentioning that they were uh, looking at shutting down 
and putting weaponization against the uranium uh, from Russia. So this is a really quick decision that I think the the United States is not going to be the only ones doing that. So the prices for uranium, everything looks bright around the corner. Uh, Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, I've been in this industry now for right at 30 years and uh, hands down, this is the the best the market has ever looked. Uh, It looks like we're going to continue to see growth with the build out of not just small modular reactors, but also the conventional reactors globally, like we already talked about. And, you know, in my 30 year career, I've never seen Democrats and Republicans agree on uh, nuclear like they are right now. Uh, yeah. There were some significant components in the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, yep. potentially the cutoff of Russian supply, the support for the back end of the fuel cycle. The, the energy generation right. is stronger than it's ever been. You know, it's not all it's not all uh, you know cherries and daisies. There are some issues there that we need to work through on the regulatory regime. Right. Um, and we'll work continue to work through those. But by and large, things are looking very good in the uranium space, the nuclear space in general right now. Well, I'll tell you what, thanks for stopping by the podcast. I had an absolute blast. We will have the key slides in the in the show notes and uh, people can get a hold of you on the website, which is ur-energy.com. Your stock to, uh, symbol is U-R-E, if I saw that correctly. That's correct. um, I can read today, so that's a good thing, being as old as I am. And then uh, so they can also see your uh, email there. I just noticed that at the back slide there. So you're not hiding from anybody, are you? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I'm usually pretty easy to get a hold of and uh, look forward to talking to uh, existing investors or potential investors. Uh, after being in the industry for 30 years, it's more than just a job. It's kind of become a passion. I'll tell you what, uh, the future's bright for nuclear, and, and I mean that as not necessarily a pun, uh, but also as uh, it is, because we need it for the, an energy transition. If people want to get off coal, you better like buckle up and get used to the idea of lots of nuclear. Um, so yeah. thank you, John. I do appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. Yeah.